Good evening, Nick Schinner. How are you tonight? Doing pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight on the podcast. My pleasure. So, um, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, can you maybe give a little bit of introduction about yourself? Sure. Um, My name's Nick Schenner. Um, Storm spotter out of Regina, Saskatchewan. I've been spotting storms for about a decade now. And... um, I'm picking grapes right now, off, right off the vine. Uh, yeah, they're uh, Concord grapes. They're in season this time of year. I buy a few boxes of them, and uh, I try and pre-pick as many as I can and uh, put them in a big bag and then uh, freeze them and put them into uh, juices and shakes and all those types of things. Good idea. So, and I understand that... Um, you and uh, Greg Johnson also have your own podcast that you were running in the off season last year. Any plans to bring that back this winter? I haven't. Uh, I don't know yet. I've. Uh, I think there's probably a plan in place to do that. Um, I think we started looking at that in November, December of last year, and we'll probably um, look at doing the same thing again this year. Uh, Greg keeps pretty busy this time of year doing photography stuff and presenting to schools and all that type of thing. So um, once uh, once I can reconnect with him, I haven't spoken to him for a while, um, then we'll probably look at discussing that. Um, and I just had uh, my first daughter, first kid about uh, six weeks ago, so I've been kind of busy myself lately. And, well, congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. I usually uh, I usually take a little break from uh, weather and Twitter um, in September, October ish, uh, soon as storm season's done, and then um, get ready for the winter season uh, after that. So look at this bag of grapes. Very nice. So yeah, I'll start talking to Greg again once uh, once things are uh, settled for him and settled for me and all that type of thing. So before we go to taking questions on the chat, I'm gonna, we're going to ask you just some very basic questions talking about uh, just to sort of get to know you a little bit better. Uh, sure. So I'll just basically one-liner questions. I don't have these written down. I'm just gonna Favorite color. There you go. I'll let Stephen fire them away here while I work on something. Favorite color would be uh, very light blue. Uh, that's kind of – that's good for storm chasing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, first, uh, I don't know. Congrats, but man, there you go. Um, I don't know how you would word this. Uh, describe. Uh, kind of whatever. We'll go with a heavy-held question. Uh, describe the feeling you felt on your first storm chase. That's a pretty heavy one. Um. You know what? I can't really remember what the first one was like. It must not have been all that exciting. Um, I would have been about... um, Well, the first time I actually remember going out and watching a storm would have been when I just after I got my license, so maybe when I was 16 or 17. The first time that I actually started spotting and reporting for... Um, to Environment Canada would have been in 2004, maybe. 
Um, and I remember going out and um, there was a good stretch of three or four years there where there was absolutely nothing reportable at all. I had basically, I saw storms and hail and lightning and all that type of thing, but nothing that was uh, huge where uh, I had something that I could report to Environment Canada. Um, so I guess in terms of excitement, the first real um, you know, storm chase, I guess, where I was close to uh, a tornado or witnessed one would have been around Dollard. I think it was in 20, let's say 2007 or 2008. Um, and I was by myself. I normally, uh, up until the last couple of years, well, always went out sort of spotting by myself. And I usually did a very small radius, so like within 50 or 100 kilometers of Regina because I couldn't afford to buy gas to go any further than that. Um, but uh, I had gone, there was a, a good chance of um, severe weather in the southwest part of the province. I was kind of in the area anyway and uh, saw a really decent plow wind followed by a, a pretty um, short-lived tornado, but it was exciting and, and uh, that was the first sort of one I was on, I guess. I don't really get too excited or out of control, I guess. There's certainly an adrenaline rush with the storm oh, yeah. chasing, but I'm pretty even keel most of the time. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we have a question from a viewer, cool Irk 250 uh, says, what's your most exciting encounter? Um, exciting encounter? Well, I got two that come to mind. One was... Um, Two years ago, I guess it would have been now, we were in Medford, Oklahoma, and we had sort of been chasing all day long, and there was not much going on, and we kind of missed storm after storm, and it was getting dark, and uh, just as it was starting to get dark, this uh, storm decided that it was going to start to, you know, start to rotate and produce, Mm -hmm. and uh, we were driving along the highway just... um, south of the Kansas border in Oklahoma there, and um, we pulled over so that um, um, we could get some uh, lightning shots, I guess, and um, so Greg was uh, was with Greg Johnson. He was uh, on the other side of the truck, and I was outside sort of trying to see if there was anything I could see through the lightning flashes, and he was was snapping photos, and then all of a sudden I heard him made this really – weird noise like like he was really surprised by something and I kind of looked up at the same time and uh, not far off from us was sort of a funnel that you could see um, I couldn't tell if it was on the ground or not but you could certainly see there was a pretty well defined funnel so we hopped back in the truck right away and we drove about half a kilometer down the road and there were power lines all over the road and um, (laughs) we came upon this farmyard that was you know kind of swept away, uh, roof was missing, all that type of thing. It was bizarre because we couldn't hear, like it wasn't even windy where we were where we were standing outside. Uh, you couldn't hear anything, and literally this tornado was picking up a farmyard about half a kilometer away from us. Um, there were emergency personnel on scene there, and they said, well, we think there's another one to the south, and so we took a look at the radar, and sure enough, there's another small storm to the south, and it's got a pretty good signature on it. So we drove south, and uh, we got cored by this storm, and it was hailing and raining, and you couldn't 
you know, we were on a gravel road, so couldn't drive, and we were worried mm-hmm. the road was going to wash out. So we just pulled over, and sure enough, in the distance again, there was a pretty obvious tornado on the ground. Um, got some good shots of it in the in the dark there, but it was headed sort of towards us, and we couldn't really go anywhere. On the side of the road, there happened to be a very, very heavy piece of old farm machinery of some sort. So we kind of sheltered the truck behind that um, while uh, we waited for the tornado to sort of pass behind us a bit. Um, and it took about 10 minutes before we, we were in the clear there. Um, and uh, that was sort of the Medford, Oklahoma tornado, I guess. And so that was a little closer and a little more. I don't really like the nighttime stuff so much. Um, just because it's really hard to see and you don't know where you are in relation to the storm and how quickly it's coming upon you and all that type of thing. Um, But that was probably the most um, scared I've ever been, I guess, in terms of Hmm. being in a storm. Um, Two years ago on the Wadena tornado, um, it would be what I would call a perfect sort of storm chase day where we had set up early in the day um, saw the early storms go up, uh, followed them, got in front of them, and all we had to do the whole day was just watch storm after storm form right in front of us. We never got wet, never got hit with a drop of rain. We were always sort of to the southeast of every storm that was passing um, in front of us to the northeast. And then finally around 5.30 that day or 6 o'clock, um, one of the storms produced a tornado. Uh, just about five kilometers north of Wadena, and it was a excellent chase day. That's probably the most satisfied I've ever been on a storm chase. Hmm. You answered the question to the full stuff. <laughs> I don't hold back. Yeah, yeah. No, no filter. Uh, that's all I have. Uh, uh, Katie, I know you got, you have to go at the bottom of the hour here. So, did you have yeah. any questions lined up? Um, well, I would ask you if, uh, what's your favorite place to chase or, um, if you could chase anywhere in the world, where would you, where would you go? Where would you be your dream place to just go for, um, I don't know, spend a month and, and chase during season? Um, it would probably be somewhere between, uh, Ogama and Wood Mountain, Saskatchewan. I really like the Prairie Drive there. I mean, Kansas and Oklahoma are okay. Um, you get the most powerful storms there for sure, but in terms of um, where I'd want to be, it would be right in Saskatchewan. I think it's probably the most beautiful place in the world. Just about 100, 100 to 150K south of Regina is sort of the ideal spot. It's nice hilly and green and Farmers' fields and trees and all those types of things. Awesome. Good. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Katie, and uh, have a good night. And we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Nick, I'm gonna take a question at you here. Talking about 2013, I know you had a couple of pretty exciting chases. What was your favorite chase in Saskatchewan of 2013? Uh it was a bad year this year. Honestly, yeah, um, the chase that we went on near Yorkton um, in early July, I guess, would have been sort of the most exciting just because we were sort of in the middle of that storm the whole day. And um, 
it had, I mean, it rotated and danced around a bit. I don't know that it really ever had a good chance to produce a tornado, but had it, we were certainly in the right position. And pulling up on the Yorkton exhibition and seeing everybody uh, run for their lives out of the out of the exhibition grounds there was pretty awesome. Uh, and then uh, near the end of the season would have been one of the last chases we were on near uh, Carndiff, I guess. Um, we were able to spot a, a funnel cloud and what might have been a very brief tornado there. But other than that, it was a pretty dull year for storms. Uh, I didn't end up going to the States at all this year. I normally do for about a week and um, just couldn't this year. Um, and uh, so I never really saw much of anything. So let's back it up then to 2012, which was obviously a bit more of an exciting year. 2012 was an awesome year. I think I saw about 18 to 25 tornadoes in 2012. Wow. It was great. Saw a few in the States, and uh, I was on probably a dozen that happened in Saskatchewan at least, um, from anything from those cold core funnel days where I think there were eight or nine tornadoes spotted out of the cold core system up north on Highway 11 to, you know, the Wadena tornado, the one that happened near Moose Jaw, those uh, days were awesome. It would just seem like it was day after day that we were going out um, chasing and it was lots of fun. Last year was easily the best year that I've ever had storm chasing. I don't know that I'll ever have a year like that again, actually, because I've been doing it yeah. for 10 years now, and it's nothing's even ever come close to that. And just... Uh oh Sorry, I have a I have one of those Bud Light red lights that goes off when the Ranger New York Rangers score goals. So okay. if you heard that in the background, it was a little distracting. But anyway, yeah, I've been doing it a long time, and it's, I've never had a year like I did last year, and I don't know that that's uh, that's going to happen again. So, hmm. Steven? Uh, I don't really have a question at the moment. Give me a couple. Give me about a minute and a half, and I think. So um. Talking about, I know you you said you didn't get to go down to the states this year, but from what you've seen, and we've we've sort of been asking this to all of our guests that we've had. Well, we've only really had one guest so far this fall, but um, is your thoughts on on how what made the El Reno, Oklahoma tornado dif different from all the other ones, despite the you know obvious reasons? I mean, in your opinion, as a as a storm spotter, what made that storm so different uh, size and trajectory the uh, the issue was from what I can decipher from video and these reports that have come out and uh, all the compilations of sort of what other people think went wrong um, it seemed like this tornado acted differently than your typical tornado would in the fact that it changed direction very suddenly and sort of in a almost 90-degree angle. And uh, the other thing is the sheer size of it. And, and what a lot of people don't know is that uh, a tornado, um, you can't see them all the time. And when they get to be that huge and you've got rotating winds on the outer side of the funnel and you've got... Um, videotaped evidence that this thing is throwing down multiple suction vortices in sort of the same 
uh, area, but over a large, like a mile-wide area, I guess. And these vortices are the size of what regular tornadoes would be. Um, you don't know where the boundary of those winds are, are, is going to be. Um, because, I mean, people are estimating, and Reed Timmer is one who estimates that some of these wind speeds at the ground level could be five or 600 miles per hour. I mean, that's an outrageous amount of wind speed, and that can do a lot of damage very, very quickly. And wind is something you can't really see. And so I don't think all the chasers that were there knew where the outer boundary of that tornado was. I don't think they knew exactly how large it was. I mean, we're talking about a tornado that, if you were in Regina, would have been as large at its largest point from, uh, you know, everything west of uh, of uh, Pasqua Street or Louvain Drive, oh. and everything north, everything north of uh, of the Ring Road. It would have, you know, touched every part of Regina that's sort of in that northwest uh, section. And so it's I mean, it's a huge tornado. It, so wind speeds are absolutely incredible, and the fact that it moved so suddenly when chasers who would have normally been in a uh, very good position found themselves very quickly out of position and having to escape. And I mean, there was a lot of precipitation, so the roads wouldn't have been good, the visibility would have been poor, and there were a lot of chasers out that day. There were a lot of people who were told that they should uh, try and flee their homes because this was going to be the tornado that destroyed the planet and uh, the roads were congested in some areas and it was just a bad scene overall I think for a lot of spotters and a lot of people in, uh, who were just uh, given some bad information about what they should do. Right. And how do you think going on to sort of like the passing lot of information, how do you think that the, the warning process in Canada in your 10 years of, of spotting and chasing has how has that evolved over the last you know ten years or or so? It hasn't. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say or it's been it. pretty much the same the whole time. Um, the forecasting is better. I will say that the meteorologists at Environment Canada do an excellent job of forecasting uh, possible severe weather days. Um, the watches and warnings um, seem to go up um, with a little more expedience than they have in the past. I think. But there's, there are issues with the overall system, uh, one being the size of the warning areas that we have in, yeah. in, uh, in Canada because it's not really pinpointed to a specific area when you're taking a look at that, that uh, picture map. You have to read the text to sort of get the detail. Yeah. And, um, and that's, a, that's, a, not a, that's a minus for sure. And then uh, the uh, other thing is just the radar system. I mean, there's no money for Environment Canada, and it's not the fault of Environment Canada. It's not the fault of any of the meteorologists that work there, any of the staff there. I mean, the government has cut a lot of jobs at Environment Canada and a lot of money over the last six years, and they've, I mean, the system has suffered because of it. And unfortunately, it's probably going to take a pretty nasty disaster before it gets better here. Yeah, that, that, that's very true. Um we're going to move on to another question. I know Steven sort of brought this up uh, earlier, uh, but we have another question on Twitter uh, for a viewer who wasn't able to join us right at the top of the show. Uh, Sarah Penner would like to know uh, your favorite storm memory ever. Um, again, probably my favorite storm memory ever would be the chase day that we had in Wadena uh, not 
this past summer, but the summer before that. Um, when you're talking about, I'm not uh, uh, huge about getting really close to storms. I don't really like that. I like to be able to see the whole storm, um, stay in an area where I can report what I'm seeing going on um, uh, without being too close. I hate pictures. I hate video. I don't like doing that stuff. Um, the only reason I live stream the storms is so that other people can see what's going on without having to put themselves in that position and because I don't have to do anything. Once I turn it on, <laughs> I can just leave it on and that's that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like taking pictures. I don't like taking video. I don't like documenting storms in a, in a sort of multimedia way like that. I just like to provide real-time information for people so that they can get out. So once Twitter, once I got familiar with Twitter, um, that became much easier. The uh, the live streaming helps a lot because you don't have to constantly be telling people what's going on. Yeah. Um, and it's also helpful that Environment Canada is uh, watching these streams as well, so that they can see what's going on, rather than me having to pick up the phone every you know five minutes and say now this is happening, now this is happening. Um, so, in terms of my favorite memory, having a successful day as a storm spotter is the one where I set up in an area. And I can sit there for two or three hours and watch every storm that forms go by me. And uh, if it's got potential to rotate, then I can follow it right behind it in clear blue sky with, uh, with no chance of getting rained on so that I can get out of the car and take wind speed measurements or, or uh, pick up hailstones or whatever I need to do to, to uh, do my job as a spotter. What's the largest uh, hailstone you've ever recorded? Can you recall that? Um, yeah, in the States, I saw some baseball-sized hail. Um, I wasn't in it, thankfully. It was after the fact. Um, in Saskatchewan, probably, you know, a little bigger than golf ball. Um, I've seen other people, you know, report very big hailstones in Saskatchewan, especially up north for some reason. Um, but I, in Saskatchewan, I've never been... Uh, I've never seen anything much bigger than a golf ball, I guess, um, around here, which is good. Um, the funny thing was this last season, for as terrible a storm season as it was, um, it was uh, the one storm that ended up uh, doing damage to my vehicle was that sort of freak one that came in from the north uh just along Highway 11 there and dumped all that hail on Regina and actually continued to dump large hail all the way down to Van, basically. And uh, I got caught right in the middle of that hail core, and it mashed up my the roof of my car so bad. It just looks like a bunch of kids took a baseball bat to it and mashed it up with a couple of baseball bats. Um, so that was kind of freak. But those hailstones, I mean, in that area where I was in the northwest, were they got to be pretty close to golf ball-sized hail for a little while there. So that was pretty, pretty nasty. Steven, anything on your end here? Uh, I have one. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, um, just for all those people who you know may want to get into this kind of stuff, uh, how did you start mm -hmm. out? Uh, I and, started out and any by, advice. Sorry. Yeah, I started out by really, really, really liking weather as a kid and uh, wanting to know why, um, you know storm systems formed, how we got hot weather, cold weather, all that type of thing. Just a very basic want to know of what what uh, what the Earth is doing and how these things happen. Um, 
and then sort of uh, as I grew up, I thought, well, maybe I want to be a meteorologist. And as I got into uh, high school and um, beyond that, I quickly realized that meteorology is mostly complex math. <laughs> and uh, I don't have any time for that. Uh, so I had no interest in doing any of the. I mean, the people who are meteorologists and do the forecasting and the prediction and and write about weather systems and, and report on it. Those guys are scientists. There's no yeah. doubt about that. They're 100% uh, scientists, and I am not. I don't have any interest in contributing in that sort of <laughs> regard uh, at all. Um, but uh, the next best thing is that these scientists, because they are uh, confined often to computers and weather models and having to issue warnings to the public, they don't get to be in the field when this action is happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And they need people in the field to let them know that what they're seeing on their computer is what is being translated in the form of severe weather in real time in the real world. Because sometimes what you see on radar can be kind of deceiving, and sometimes uh, what you don't see on radar is uh, pretty important too. So they need lots of, uh, lots of eyes on the ground. So... Um, the first thing I did was I, when I was able to do a Skywarn course, I did that. And then when I was able to do a Canwarn course, I did that. Um, and then when I was able to do the spotter network training, I did that. Um, and uh, just sort of went. And uh, one of the things that you sort of learn as a storm spotter, and this is sort of old school type storm spotting, is um, you pick a place, um, sort of a, maybe a 100-kilometer radius around where you live, and that's sort of going to be your territory where you're going to report on what's going on in the weather. Um, and so I used to drive out to um, uh, just west on Highway 1 out uh, near Briarcrest, and I would sit on the, the gravel road there um, for a you know, stretch of two or three hours uh, when there was severe weather, and I would report for that area and sort of go up and down that grid road between Briarcrest and the number one and down towards Ogama and Rolo and that area up to Regina and uh, just report on what was happening and and uh, sort of in a solo thing. If the storm got too close, I would back away from it. I never wanted to be underneath the storm. I always, like I said, wanted to see everything about it. Um, I avoided storms. In fact, I wouldn't even call myself a chaser at that point I because I tried to avoid them as best I could. Um, and then when I wanted to um, sort of get into it a little more and get into sort of the safety and communicating with people um, who were watching on Twitter or the live stream, um, I got hooked up with a, a guy who's experienced, and that was Greg. And and um, we went on a couple of chases down south and throughout Saskatchewan in 2011 and um, got to know sort of the technology side of it because, like I said, I don't really like dealing with computers or photography or videography or anything like that. So kind of versed myself in that a bit. And um, and then last year sort of um, took off on my own a bit and, and uh, started streaming and taking another photographer uh, along with me and another set of eyes to read radar. And, and uh, now I'm in a position where I feel comfortable that I can take sort of newer um, wannabe chasers or spotters out myself and, and give them a bit of a ride um, so that they can gain that experience so that one day I can stop doing this because I, <laughs> um, as much as I like um, spotting storms and reporting on it, there will come a time when uh, I won't want to do it anymore and hopefully uh, it'll be when the warning system gets to the point where I don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. Do you, what do you think has to happen for that to happen though? 
Um, well, we need either an, a large influx of money into Environment Canada's coffers, or we, or there needs to be a disaster so that people start demanding that it occurs because it's not going to on its own. There's just yeah. um, with the way um, things are going right now, they're just you have to pick and choose uh, as a government, I guess, what you're going to fund, and there are things that. Um, uh, at this point are deemed to be more important than funding uh, new radar, new warning systems, or development of whatever for Environment Canada. So um, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe it won't take a huge disaster. I'm hopeful that it won't, and I'm, I'm really thankful that there seems to be a lot large influx of storm chasers and spotters to do the work that needs to be done um, uh, for the scientists who are watching the computer models for sure because it's really important uh, work that's being done there. And it's always nice to see other people out on the out on the road doing the same thing because, um, like I said, uh, you can compile so much information when you've got one person who's 20 kilometers north of where you are and another person who's 20 kilometers south, and you can see what they're seeing, and they're reporting what they're seeing on Twitter uh, or to Environment Canada, and um, you can sort of position yourself well to... Uh, to um, give a more accurate report of what's going on in terms of a more, you know, larger area. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we talked about, uh, you mentioned that you've chased uh, in the past with Greg Johnson for anybody. I'm sure anybody watching uh, the show is familiar with him. Uh, what's your favorite chasing with Greg moment? Is there anything that stands out? Um... Favorite chasing with Greg Moen. I guess because uh, I've heard you we two on, on the, I've heard you two on the on Storm Clouds together. You seem to get you know get along pretty good and pretty both two interesting characters. So there has to be some. I would. There. I view Greg as more of a nemesis than as a friend. To be uh, honest with you, he's. Uh, I like him because um, um, I can. He's a. Uh, He's a big personality, and um, I'm not like that at all, really. I'm more of a sort of make fun of big personalities type guy. So uh, I like to sit back and just let Greg feed me with what uh, whatever he wants to feed me with so that I can just basically make fun of him. So anytime when we're chasing and he sets me up for a really good pun or a great joke um, for the live stream, those are some good moments. In terms of chasing itself, I had a really good day with him uh, when we went out to uh, to Pipestone, uh, Manitoba, a couple of years ago, um, there was a really nice storm that we followed all the way from um, the far east Saskatchewan well into Manitoba, and it was a beautiful storm, really photogenic, um, I guess. I don't know much about photography, but Greg said it was, and he took lots of pictures, and it was a wonderful storm to watch. Lots of action, uh, lots of rotation, lots of... Um, uh, dancing clouds, I guess, and it was a good time for sure. Um, for people who are interested in, you know, doing a storm chase, um, if Greg is ever offering, you know, a week, uh, sort of a week of storm chasing with him and uh, the team that he has now, I would take it for sure because it's not just storms. I mean, when you're confined in a small vehicle for a period of six or seven days, um, you get to know the people that you're around fairly well, and uh, you have to have a sense of humor about things, and there's going to be days where 
you're going to miss every storm and it's going to be blue skies and, and there'll be frustrations with that. But at the end of the day, um, as long as you can have a good time while you're doing it and tell some stories and jokes and, and make fun of each other, that those are probably uh, my favorite uh, memories with Greg for sure. Hmm. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm out of, he's run me dry of questions. You're out of questions. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to put it past everybody on the chat. Last call for any questions. One-on-one with Nick Shanher. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us tonight, Nick, taking time out of your Wednesday night. And uh, it's great to talk to you. It's been a long time in the... No problem. Long time in the coming and uh, in the making. And hopefully we'll run into you uh, next season out there. Never ran into you this year. But uh, I enjoy whenever no, I'm... No, yeah. Whenever I'm not chasing, I enjoy being able to sit at home and watch your live stream. So always a great... You had some... I know this year was a pretty boring year, but um, definitely had had the stream rocking good this year, so... Yeah, I've, I'm actually kind of proud of myself with how um, technically sound the stream was. It was a good picture, and we were able to get it booted up for, uh, you know, iPhones and iPad devices this year, too, which is something we didn't have the capability to do last year, and I was able to figure all that out, and it was... Pretty ste- seamless, actually, and I got a, a, a new vehicle for chasing in as well, um, and we're able to, it was kind of a nice year to just sort of test that out and get to know the the ins and outs of uh, driving a, uh, an SUV over uh, what I was, I was driving a subcompact vehicle for all of my storm chases um, two years ago and the year before that, and and uh, I'd had that car for seven years, and uh, this year at the beginning of the season, um, Chris Graham and I, who's Chris Graham is my photographer, one of my chase partners. Great guy. He's got a excellent, um, excellent website. If you're looking for him, um, just Google Chris Graham photography Regina and his website will come up. Um, and he's got some storm pictures on there to look at. Um, but we were chasing between, uh, I think it was Vibank and Odessa. And, um, we got, um, it was like a really rainy day, and we weren't seeing much, and sheets of rain, and all of a sudden, Environment Canada issued a tornado warning for the area, um, literally like seven kilometers north of where we were, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, I don't see anything that would indicate, you know, that there's going to be a potential for a tornado or anything like that, and so we pulled up, you know, went on the Highway 35, I think it is, and we fired north for about 10k and then sure enough we got out of this rain and into this sort of clear area where the storm was moving right towards us and so we pulled over and there was a beautiful rotating wall cloud that was forming this funnel and the video that's all on YouTube if you want to see it um, you can just um, uh, search Nick Schenner or Nick the body on uh, on YouTube um, and the videos will come up but uh, while I was sitting there, I could smell like this sort of a, it almost smelled like a burning electrical. And um, I got out of the car and popped the hood while we, while this, you know, tornado was forming in front of us, essentially. And uh, my car was on fire. So uh, I always carry a lot of safety gear in my uh, vehicle for chasing because I've happened upon some scenes in the past where it's been necessary and I always have a fire extinguisher with me and luckily I had one. I didn't think I'd ever be using it on my own vehicle but uh, nevertheless I we extinguished the fire and thankfully this uh, this rotating wall cloud decided not to put a tornado on our heads and 
And uh, I decided shortly after that that it might be time to look around for something that might not catch on fire when you're in the middle of waiting for a tornado to form in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, but you did manage to find something, right? For oh, for a vehicle, you yeah. mean? Or for the yeah, yeah. I've got a jeep now. All right. Hmm. So that hasn't gone yeah. on fire yet. No fires. Uh, I put about ten thousand kilometers on it from May up until now, and I've had no issues at all with it. So awesome. That'll be uh, hopefully that'll continue for next year and into the winter as well. It's four by four capability, which is something I've never had before either when uh, when storm chasing on my own, and so uh, I'll be able to go places that I would not have dared to go in my little Toyota Yaris prior to that. Okay. Up. Never mind. Uh, okay. What? Good luck with that. Uh, we have one more question from Sarah P. Uh, I gotta find it from the chat. Uh, best way to learn more about storm chasing? Like, get out there or do all the research first, or maybe both. She'd like your opinion. The best way is to get hooked up with an experienced storm chaser and ask to ride along with them. Oh, and That's easily the best way. You'll get the most information. It becomes real at that point. Um, it took me probably 10 years before I was comfortable to make any type of forecast at all about whether or not I thought there was going to be severe storms. I still don't understand much of what goes into weather modeling or any of that. I can read the maps. I understand um, you know, different um, wind speeds and shear and uh, you know, sort of the basics that you need, dew point and pressure and all those types of things that you kind of need to know to make a forecast like that a few days in advance. Um, but in terms of, you know, actual hands-on sort of working knowledge of how to use that information, you need to go along with somebody who's experienced. Okay. And uh, yeah. you may have a willing candidate. She seems very interested. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I'm always, I'm always open to that. I mean, uh, I took, um, I think, three or four people out this year um, that uh, hadn't been, you know, along with somebody before, and um, it's a really good experience. And I, uh, you know, I'll take you out for a day as long as you've got, um, as long as you can go at sort of a very quick notice and um, you're willing to pay for a third or a quarter of the gas that we drive depending on how many people are with me I have no problem taking people out um, on a chase um, when I can I have I have two guys that regularly come with me I guess they would be considered uh, um, my team but um, we always usually have a fourth spot now that I have a vehicle that can actually hold four people um, it's become an option for us and I Want, I want as many people spotting storms and providing that information as possible, so I'm always willing to take whoever wants to go out as long as I've got a spot for them. Well, I'm sure we could keep this going for another half hour at least here. We've got so many other things we could talk about, but we're almost out of time. Thanks so much, Nick, for joining us tonight, and we'll have to do it again Yeah, sometime. thank you. And good and, luck uh, on your further chases. Yeah, stay safe. Thanks. Stay safe this winter. Are you planning to do any uh, winter? I know you've done some winter streaming within the city before. Are you going to test out the 4x4 this winter? <laughs> Absolutely, I will. Yeah, I always like to stream at least the first um, first major snowfall of the year um, if I can, just because 
the people in the state to uh, turn, tune into the um, the TVN site. They're you know usually from uh, well they're from all over, but yep. a lot of people based in Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas who have never seen the power of of winter weather before. Exactly. And um, I like to go around on those days and um, just stream my drive throughout the city and just help people get their vehicles unstuck and sort of stream that as well because um, there's always people who uh, end up getting stuck or on ice and stuff like that. So uh, I usually stream that uh, once or twice a year. Very cool. And where can everybody find you on YouTube, Twitter, your website, or what? what's the best way to connect with you? Um, the best way to connect with me, I guess, would probably be uh, Twitter. You can find me at Nick the Body. On YouTube, just search Nick Schenner or Nick the Body or something like that. Or else, um, uh, I guess you can get all three options if you just go to stormwatcher.ca. Um, and then there's some links up in the top right-hand corner of the page to all of my um, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube accounts, Instagram, all that stuff. And people can join and follow uh, along on there. Um I'm planning on, um, it's been a while since I posted on the website, but I'm planning on uh, running a contest um, in the off-season here once the snow hits the ground. Um, a couple of years back, um, I had a bunch of Storm Chasers autograph um, a couple of, um, well, three of the hubcaps off of my Toyota Yaris right. at the yeah, time. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and we had auctioned one off for, uh, for charity for the Penny Project here in Regina, and I'm going to plan on... Uh, on um, giving one away as part of a contest, I think, um, for the website. So if people want to stay tuned to Twitter, probably in January or February, um, uh, maybe December, then uh, I'll announce what the contest is going to be and how you would have an opportunity to win one of these things. Very cool. We'll look forward to doing that, and we'll um, have to talk to you well, maybe after winter, get your <laughs> winter driving yeah. experiences. That's always a... A whole story in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People right. need to turn their lights on and slow down. That's the advice I have for winter driving. Very true. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Nick. Have a good night, and we'll uh, Take care. talk to you next time. You too.